0: welcome to wealthy muslim woman podcast a resource for muslim women to learn about money how to create it grow it and to protect it is easy all that's needed is the right mindset i'm your host dr saima ali with life coaching tools to truly help you create wealth in all areas of your life welcome to another very special episode of wealthy muslim woman podcast This is a very special episode to me because of the tremendous value and benefit this has brought to our family and to my kids' lives. Today, I have a guest, Mrs. Hashmi, and you have to check out her podcast if you have kids. It's called Once Upon a Crescent. We discovered this podcast in the early days of pandemic. When all the activities got cut off and everything felt so chaotic and I really had no idea how to deal with things at home and we started taking drives with my kids. And on the drives, of course, I would listen to my podcast, my favorite shows, and my kids were annoyed with that, that why do we have to listen to your shows? So we found this podcast and this has been such a tremendous asset to our lives. The kids have learned how to identify themselves as Muslims through learning about the Quran, about Hadith, how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to do things, and how to incorporate Islamic teachings into our lives. But it's also taught as a story. So like a beautiful story. She has such a beautiful style to relay the message that it doesn't seem like as you're trying to preach or teach them something, they actually love hearing the stories and want to learn more about what the Prophet ﷺ would do or what the Quran or Hadith say. I just cannot say enough about this podcast. If you have kids, you have to check it out. Even if you don't have kids, I've learned so much for myself. There is so much knowledge out there from our beautiful religion that Most of us are not taught, and I learned so many things while listening with my kids. You can connect with Mrs. Hashmi on Instagram page, Mrs. Hashmi, and I would love it if you would please go out and support her. She has a Patreon program listed as well on her Instagram page. I became a huge supporter of that because it's just tremendous value and I want my kids to keep hearing these stories and I want her to keep writing so please do check out her page on Instagram her name or the way you found her on Instagram is Mrs. Hashmi okay I hope you enjoy it as much as I do Welcome to Wealthy Muslim Podcast. I am so, so honored to have you here. You have no idea how long I've been waiting to get you on my podcast. And I'll tell you exactly why in a minute. But first, I want you to tell my audience everything about you. So I really want the introduction to come from you because you are so amazing with your words. And I love hearing your voice even with your stories that you tell (laughs) So I really wanted to come from you. So please Definitely. tell us about
1: yourself. <laughs> okay, so I am an elementary school teacher. My name is Mrs. Hashmi. I'm also a stay-at-home mom. I have three kids of my own. I have a nine-year-old, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old, and I have a... Two and a half year old. And I am so passionate about Muslim kids' content and telling stories and incorporating different ways to convey messages through storytelling. This all stems from my relationship with my son. And um, this kind of started during the pandemic, actually, because my son and I, we were off on such a rocky start because there were so many changes going on, and I just, totally failed to see how it was for him as a kid to experience the changes of pandemic. And he really like spiked in his anxiety level. So it was really hard for me to connect with him. And I felt so out of sync. And I felt like I was kind of just preaching, you know, everything that I felt so important to impart to him in those days that we were together, that I had to stop and pause and think, okay, I need a more effective way to communicate with him that is not just lecturing him.
0: <laughs> wow. So that is
1: how um, I started the whole podcast endeavor. That's where it stemmed from.
0: Wow. And and oh my god, so my story on how I stumbled upon your podcast and how it helped us in the pandemic is so similar to you. So during when the pandemic started so me I have three kids as well and we used to be involved in so many activities and do different things always outdoors and then when the pandemic started there was nowhere to go and the only thing I could do with them was sometimes drive around with them and I would I was trying to find my own piece that they'll sit in quietly in the car for a little bit and <laughs> I get to listen to my podcast and do my thing and get my little break And obviously they were getting annoyed with that. They're like, why do we have to listen to your podcast? Why why are we listening to this? And then I stumbled upon your podcast and I said, hey, you know, let's listen to this. You guys want to try this? And it was such a blessing when they started listening to it. It helped us so much. We would be driving around and the worst part is now I cannot listen to my podcast. Now it's always like, (laughs) you want to listen to our podcast? Can you turn on our podcast? And it was I love such it. Great, <laughs> it was such a great connection during the pandemic. And that's when we started listening to it on our drives because we had no, nowhere else to go. And it was just such a stressful time. And this came at a perfect, perfect time for that. So thank you. Thank you for doing
1: that. I'm so glad. And you know, that's the thing with kids, right? They are so drawn to stories. And during the pandemic, my son, he was sharing a bedroom with his, at the time, three-year-old brother. So it was like, such a battle to get them in bed and stay in bed and go to sleep that my husband had started this bedtime ritual where he would literally just tell Google, hey, Google, put on a children's story. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that would pop up was Rhea Pector's Little Stories for Tiny People. And she's an American storyteller, and she has all the stories like A to Z that have to do with American culture. Mm -hmm. So bit by bit, every night, my kids were like, Digesting these stories, and in the morning during breakfast time, they would come and ask me, or my my eldest would come and ask me about like Thanksgiving. That he would ask me about gravy and mashed potatoes, <laughs> and I'm like, where did you hear this from? And he would say stuff like, why don't we eat this? And you know, it kind of gave me this idea that okay, if storytelling is where he's really uh, paying attention, then I need to be doing what that lady's doing. <laughs> So I told my husband that I was like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if there was a storyteller that was Muslim and all the things about Muslim culture and heritage that was incorporated, where the kids will like listen to the story and they can identify with the character, because the characters in these set of stories were so foreign to my kids, like they were talking about like Valentine's Day and like having a boyfriend or they, I think the word like divorce or stepdad was thrown in mm-hmm. in one of the stories. And I wasn't even ready to talk about that concept with my kids yet. Right. And right. I was like, Ugh. and I felt literally like a twinge of jealousy. I'm like this, <laughs> this lady is encroaching on my kid's time. And she's telling through her storytelling these concepts that I thought I was going to be having, you know, I thought I would have the yeah. conversation first. So it really helped me to like focus in on this like need, you know, there's like a void, there's an empty space out there for Muslim kid content so I was, you know, I had to take it up.
0: (laughs) No, it's so true, and I think any mom raising her kids in this day in in U.S. or anywhere would understand that part. It's the same exact thing. I feel like you're just telling my story, and it's the same exact thing as my kids were coming up, like, why don't we celebrate Christmas, and, you know, we should have the lights up, and why don't we do Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, and why don't we do these things, and my kids are young. Like, my daughter was you know, less. I think four and a half when I introduced her to your podcast. So we we hadn't even had any of these big discussions about religion and different things, and I had no idea how much they absorb from the environment. So mm-hmm. when she got introduced to your podcast, she loved the first sentence. Like, it's for Muslim kids, and she didn't even know that she was a Muslim. You know, so she's like, "Oh, I'm a Muslim," and I said, "Yes, you're Muslim." <laughs> And then she started naming all her friends. She's like, is Rehab Muslim? Is Safiya Muslim? And is this person Muslim? (laughs) And just being able to identify herself was just such a big thing for her. And I didn't even realize that she was ready for that. And they were already absorbing that from from the environment already, from the shows they're watching, from what they're listening to.
1: So yeah, this was I like a huge. Yeah, I definitely ritual. understand that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's always the firstborns, and I, I really relate to you because I feel like my, my second, he is literally with uh, so many things unsaid. He can kind of connect one and two because he's just watching us as a family, you know. But with my eldest. I had to like break down everything bit by bit because there was no stimulation or communication with other people like in the house. It was just me and him all Mm -hmm. day long. So Mm -hmm. he didn't really know what the outside world had to offer. And then so I put him in Islamic school when he was three years old. So he went to Islamic school from ages three to seven. And then in second grade, I had him put um, into a public school. And that same grade is when the, the pandemic started. So he was He's just learning about like different cultures and other influences and, you know, and I definitely saw like the difference between him being in an all Muslim uh, environment and, and being in a public school setting. So when he was in a public school setting, I just had that in the back of my mind, like, oh, my gosh, I need to cement his identity. I want him to know that who we are as a family, as a culture, like I want him to be comfortable in the skin that he's in. And he even he even told me like, uh, Mama, you know, when I listen to your stories, I know that other Muslim kids are going to know what these hadiths are because if they go to the masjid and listen to the khutbah, they'll know. And I'm like, okay, so that's you know, to me, that's kind of a win that okay, this is identifiably Muslim.
0: <laughs> exactly, and not only kids. I mean, I I don't consider myself well versed in Islam or hadith or anything, and I'm learning so much from them. So initially, I was like, oh, my God, I have to listen to kids' podcasts, and, you know, these the kids' stories. And I have to pay attention to, but I am learning so much from them for myself. That is just oh, amazing. And, that's so <laughs> and, awesome. <laughs> exactly. And then being able to talk with them at their level and really have the discussion because kids really absorb it and they incorporate the stuff into daily living. So Mm -hmm. even like the other day my husband and I were arguing about something and my daughter she jumps in and she's like, well, who wants a bigger house in Jannah? Whoever stops arguing first will get a bigger house. And I had no, I asked her, like, where did you hear this? She's like, my podcast.
1: so cute <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> so it, it, they learn so much from them it, it's it's amazing and I, I can't yeah. thank you enough and it's not oh, just so you know not just these its like you inc- you incorporate everything so well with the characters that you have so a lot of times you're using animal characters and mm-hmm. many times you are incorporating the bigger political uh, environment into your stories and the way you teach it is just it's just so beautiful and at their level that they understand they they grasp the bigger concept of how you have to share and how you have to be nice but it's at their level that they're able to do so well with it
1: yeah and you know um i'm so glad that you brought that point because I had my doubts, you know, I, I would go back and forth and being on Instagram and seeing everything that was happening overseas. I was just like, you know, I do have a platform. And if I do want to make a impact, if I want to have some sort of, you know, um, contribution to society, I need to be able to very subtly, but at the same time, like wisely, incorporate these topics into stories. So, like defending Dino Land, the dinosaur story about like the tyrant T. Rex who comes in and just basically takes over the dinosaur land of different dinosaur tribes, and he's like extremely entitled, and he puts a flag in all the territories that he claims. And just seeing that lens of you can't take what's not yours, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the themes that me and my children. Talk about like it's unfair, it's not right, it it has like a ripple effect on everybody else. And so when I was crafting the story and I was editing it, I just kept thinking like this could be a starting point for families who want to talk about things that are happening in Philistine or things are different oppressions around the world, how when you know there are real people that are taking other people's land. But you know, of course, the parents are totally up to their I guess their level of how they want to present it to their children, or if they even want to present it to their children, right? But I felt like in my mind, it was my contribution to speak up or use my platform in some way.
0: Yes, and I, I could totally see where it was coming from. And for my my three and a half year old son, those are his favorite podcasts because he's just so into dinosaurs right now. And he just <laughs> for him he just loves hearing the sounds and <laughs> the mention of different uh, dinosaurs. For so for him he doesn't have that bigger concept yet. But for my older, yeah, she sees the the message that's there, and I saw clearly like where it was coming from. So it's it's good that age appropriately when they're ready we can talk to them about the bigger political scenarios as well and
1: yeah exactly yeah. and i think that's what sets apart you know our generation and the way that we are going to be parenting i mean i can't speak for everyone but i can definitely speak for myself i just feel like with my kids my my main mission and goal and overall like vision for them is to make them believe and incorporate this belief that they are agents of change, that they can change the world, that what they do will make a difference in the world. And I was literally just telling my four and a half year old yesterday. So he watches um, this uh, show called uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Do you know that show? Yes. Yes. So (laughs) the intro song is like, everybody needs a hero, um, someone to save the day. Like, that's how it starts Mm -hmm. off, right? So I was singing that because it was stuck in my head and I caught myself. And I was like, you know what, Harun? Everybody doesn't need a hero. We can be our (laughs) own heroes. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, yeah, you can be a hero. I can be a hero. We don't need to wait for someone. Mm -hmm. And we had this whole elaborate conversation just sparked on that theme song. And I was like, okay, this is my moment to tell him that he is empowered to make a change. (laughs) And so I do these little like, you know, one-on-one conversations with them where I can see, you know, there's a window to talk about it. And I just kind of throw it out there that, you know, no, you,
0: you can make an impact. Right. Yeah. And and Alhamdulillah, I think we are luckier in a bigger sense to our parents didn't have all these resources, even having an Islamic school nearby is mm-hmm. huge for our kids to have that option. And then the internet has opened up you know, so many different ways, like we wouldn't be able to have a podcast where we can communicate and share our stories, if we didn't Mm -hmm. have all this technology, and our parents were very limited in terms of what was available, and also with their generation, with time constraint, where they really were the first generation, and they were learning to make it here, and just survive, kind of, and no, now, you're right. That is mm-hmm. so
1: true. It was always like survival mode and getting right. to the next milestone or whatever it may be with our parents. I can really relate to that. My family was definitely in the same boat. My family is from uh, an immigrant background as well. So what you're saying totally resonates with me.
0: Yeah, and and we're we're really lucky in that sense, I guess, for our kids that we have all these resources that we can put together and really show them that they can be the heroes in their lives and everything. It's very empowering for them.
1: Definitely. And when I used to teach in Islamic school, because I taught fourth grade in Islamic school for about a year, and then I taught the next year as a science lab teacher, I always made it a point to bring Islam in the focus, even in like secular studies, Mm -hmm. so that the kids that were learning their academics knew that this Fits in a broader picture. And I would always say to them, I'd be like, okay, you guys, whenever you are rich and famous when you're adults, don't forget me. And don't forget that, you know, you were here in this Islamic school. It just kind of set that groundwork for you're going to be something and you're going to be like an agent of change and you matter. And I think, like a lot of Muslim kids, they definitely need that. Because when I was at the Islamic school, I kind of noticed that the one thing that they were constantly craving was like, that sense of belonging, you know, they would, they would compare themselves with public school peers, like from their neighborhood, and they would t- come and tell me, they'd be like, oh, you know, sister, this girl is learning this in her school, and we don't have it in our school. So I just feel like, you know, even with the Muslim identity, it's, it's so complex, like we're Muslim kids, they're Muslim kids, but they're always measuring up to the next kid as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes and yeah, and that was a struggle that we had to go through when we were growing up too, but uh, hopefully we can make it easier for our kids um, with all these resources that we have and make it easier for them to accept themselves as their own identity and who they are
1: yeah, um, absolutely yeah.
0: what are you guys doing now in terms of school I know you're you're in Washington how are how are things there and is it time to go back in person or you guys are supposed Yeah.
1: To mm-hmm. So I do it when the pandemic started, we definitely changed the course of our family life, right? My son was doing a distant learning, but like I said, you know, my relationship with him during that time was like, so chaotic it was so like everything was such a power struggle between him and I like I wanted structure and he wanted relief he wanted like a sense of safety in the house but the idea of letting control go really like flared up anxiety in me because I'm like what do I do with my kids all day <laughs> long <laughs> so I'm like wait, wait we need a structure we need school within the home context but there was so much pushback from my son and I realized yeah. that like if anything, it was my relationship that was becoming strained because of this agenda that I kept pushing on him. Yeah. So we, I let go of schooling, like completely over the summer when, when the pandemic had first started. And then when he enrolled back into school last year through e-learning, uh, I could tell that anxiety in him wasn't resolved and he just uh he didn't do well honestly he did not do well with distance education the whole platform the microsoft teams all that you know the the entire i guess setup for it was just it was very pressuring for him so i withdrew him from school then and we homeschooled all the way up until march of this year and then when we moved to washington um school was still in session it was in person and he was showing a lot of readiness to go back to the school environment he was talking about wearing masks and it was like a very organic thing for him he just really wanted to be back in that school setting so we did send him back in in person learning with his mask and they you know they had all these covid restrictions and stuff so he did well with the 2 3 months that school had just wrapped up in so for this year he's going to go back in person and they have mask mandates, all the teacher, every faculty member, every volunteer that comes in the school, they have to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So the entire like school circle in terms of the adults there, they will be vaccinated by the time school starts. So that brings me some comfort, you know, like, okay, well, hopefully, it's some control in the sense of it's safe for him. But I know that it's not entirely safe, there can always be a breakout or what, or, um, any kind of case. But I'm okay with him going to school because he he's really pushing for it for himself. I think he's the type of kid that wants to be amongst peers that wants Mm -hmm. to be in that setting. So because he pushed for it, I'm okay with him having um, going back this year.
0: Yes, it's been really tough, especially on the kids, and especially kids who are very social. So my daughter is the same way. She's very social. She loves going mm-hmm. out. Before before the pandemic, I was thinking maybe I'll homeschool her, but it wasn't in, in a sense that she'll be home all the time and there's no social interaction. I thought we'll be doing you know, some pod, uh, school pods or um, having extracurricular activities where she's doing karate classes or music classes or going for cron classes. So she is getting that social interaction with other kids. But when the pandemic started and they were just, the first year we were just mostly home locked up, especially before the vaccine. And I saw the effect on her. She's very social. She wants to be out. She wants to talk to her friends. And it was just getting so difficult to say, no, you can't go to school yet. And now mm-hmm. I, I'm in the same exact spot where I feel more comfortable. I think we are in one of the good the good states too, where, where vaccination rates are high and people are more likely to wear masks. So mm-hmm. I I also had to overcome that fear and she they started with summer program uh, going in person so they started with summer program this past last they just finished last week so my daughter and my son went in person and then she's been, she's gonna be starting in person starting September and uh, the, yes the school requires masks and uh, vaccination records and everything so I'm feeling more comfortable it, it, it is it is still scary as a parent but at the same time like these kids have suffered so much and how long yeah we just gonna
1: keep them exactly them? I know it and you know and when we moved here like we were traveling from Houston to Washington we basically drove for like six days mm-hmm. <laughs> to get here when we moved and at that time, like during our drive there, I was making so much dua that the house or the rental that we stay in has a community of kids that my son can at least play ball with at, outside, right? right? Like right. if everybody's just socially distant, you're kicking a ball at the very least that will be enriching compared to the isolation that we just went through with the pandemic. And Alhamdulillah, like this uh, neighborhood that we're in, he's able to have friends and the kids all come ring our doorbell at 4 p.m. and he runs outside. And it's been really good to see him in such a natural setting because of the one year that we were just basically cooped up in the house. And it was, yeah, it was definitely uh, stressful. During that time, that Uh, the pandemic had started, I was actually living in a multi-generational home with my husband's family. Mm -hmm. So we were living jointly. So my mother-in-law, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was her breast cancer treatment that overlapped with the pandemic. So it was definitely like high stress during that time. And I feel like my son kind of got like, the brunt of it, you know, every everyone was just kind of worried and stressed. And I'm sure he internalized it. He's such a deep feeler that I know that he probably just knew like the tension in the room and everything. So I'm so grateful to see him in a more natural, carefree setting. It really makes me happy to see him just, you know, just making conversation with kids and talking about Pokemon cards or whatever it may be. (laughs) It makes me happy to see him in a in that light.
0: Yeah, alhamdulillah. I'm sorry you had to go through that on top of everything else. I think the pandemic has been enough by itself as a stressor. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. So tell me, what's your bigger vision for this podcast? I think it's such an amazing platform for kids that we just need to see a bigger. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <what it> is. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, right now I am a one woman show. So basically I write my stories while putting my daughter down for a nap. Um, when she's sleeping at night, I'm still on my phone, just typing out ideas and I write the stories. I narrate them. I do the sound effects. I produce it A to Z and it takes me so much time. Like, no way. I can't yeah. believe that.
0: You do the, <laughs> the editing and the sounds and everything.
1: Yeah. It takes wow. me about like eight or nine hours to produce one story. <laughs> oh my goodness. So... And I am not that type of person that is like, you know, I don't really have those leadership qualities where I can like summon a team and organize people together to delegate tasks. Like even in school, I was always that kid that had the group project and I ended up doing all the work because I just didn't trust anyone (laughs) to do it the way I wanted to. So I think that's kind of contributing to why this phase that I'm in is where I am because I'm like I'm just like this one person show I'm enjoying it for sure I definitely have been trying to like generate revenue in a sense because it is definitely time consuming and I'm paying for um, like the hosting of the website Mm -hmm. and all these different accounts where I, I, I use like the the audio editors and all that stuff. So I'm trying to find a way to create revenue. Everything's kind of in the idea phase at this point. So I'm just trying to keep going. Honestly, it's a passion project. And I don't, I don't know if I want to mix like a like a big business picture into it. A lot of people have been pushing me to capitalize on it. My husband, especially, he's like, So, when are you bringing in something through this?
0: <laughs> and um, I, I because didn't... the thing is, I think we, we have so obviously, I always talk about money and we have a lot of uh, negative associations with money. We think, you know, when we're trying to make money, that it's something negative and we're devaluing ourselves. But you have so much value to offer through your voice and through your stories that you, you would have to have unlimited resources to be able to give that back. I can completely understand being a mom of three and, uh, you know, wife and everything, all being yourself, all the things that we have on our, our agendas for ourselves, like taking that time out, cannot be easy like you need resources and it's not negative in terms that if you're able to hire other people you would mm-hmm. you're creating more value in the world by being able to outsource and then you have more time for yourself to create more stories and yeah. produce value through that so you are giving no, that's so, so much, insightful <laughs> you're giving so much out that you would be able to do more if you had more resources
1: at your home. That's right? so true. I even tell my husband, I'm like, you know, this whole editing process, if someone took this up, I could probably write two more stories mm-hmm. in the in the time that it takes me to edit. And yeah. he just kind of laughs at me. He's he thinks I'm a, like a lost cause. <laughs> um, I I definitely do have a negative association with money. Mm-hmm. I was writing some some Muslim kids content for for other platforms like Muslim Kids TV and uh, Zaki and Friends. And oh my goodness, it was such a struggle to put a number on my services. (laughs) I was like, the people that were, I guess, um, telling me that they want me on board, they left it open-ended. And it was so hard for me to like navigate that space. Like, what do I say? Like, do I bake this in terms of my time? Do I put a value of it as a product? And I, I remember talking to my sister-in-law about it and she was like, telling me, she's like, you do not have a business sense. You need someone else to do this part. <laughs> but I think you're right. It's a kind of a conditioning where you don't, and I, I honestly, it's so cringe for me to talk about money. I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to say that I I think I should have this. But, you know, I think I,
0: I, think I do struggle with that. <laughs> oh my god mean, based on the value you're bringing to my kids, I, I think you deserve unlimited amount of money. you. Like what you're teaching <laughs> them, and that's, that's just invaluable. Like I can't even put a value on that, what they're learning. So um, that is definitely something I think we as Muslim women, especially, we struggle with that because of what we grew up, how money was put as something negative. And that's, mm-hmm. that's something that most, most of us have to um, come over and need some thought work on. Yeah. And
1: I really think it has to do with like that self doubt that gets planted Mm -hmm. in you as like a young girl or a young teen. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I remember so many times I would, you know, dream big or voice things out loud and, and other people would be the one to like come raining down on my parade and saying stuff like, Oh my gosh, are you going to be able to do that? Like that's so, you know, unrealistic or whatever it is. It was only like, well into my adulthood that i realized like you know the human potential is limitless but in that period of time where i did let those words affect me i feel like it's it was such a lost time for me for growth because i was stuck in that self doubt like oh like who do i think i am i mean i didn't even take i was actually telling someone this yesterday i was like i have never taken a creative writing course so every time I write a story for kids and I publish it, I have like this gut wrenching feeling in my stomach that, oh my gosh, what if this is not going to land with kids? What if they just like listen to it or like completely lost? So yes, it's definitely something ingrained in Muslim women.
0: (laughs) Yes. Any, um, I know, so I know you have the Instagram page. I'll show that, I'll share that in the notes as well. And um, any other ways the audience can contact you or talk to you about your stories? Yeah, I,
1: I always yeah. welcome messages. I really enjoy reading parents' feedback. It really brightens up my day knowing that there is an idea that I said and I uttered and it came to life with a child. Um, one thing that really warmed my heart was um, this one mom from Saudi, she told me uh, on Instagram, she left a voice note about her five-year-old son. Um, they went out for pizza, and their family was waiting on their order. And the guy mixed up their order, and the pizza box was like 20 minutes delayed in uh, for it to be ready. And so the, the boy was sitting there quietly, and his parents were getting frustrated, and they were getting kind of angry about it and that their pizza order was mixed up, and they had to wait another 20 minutes. So this five-year-old listener, he told his mom that, you know, we plan, but Allah is the best of planners. Maybe (laughs) if we ate that pizza, it would have made us sick. And when when she shared that to me, I like literally melted. I was like, oh my God, that's so sweet that he was so like reflective about that situation mm-hmm. so I absolutely love hearing audio messages through Instagram so for sure Instagram is the way to go or anyone can email me at info at com. awesome
0: thank you so much for taking out your time this was just so special to me because of all the value that I've taken out of your podcast so thank you again I'm really a huge fan but my kids are bigger <laughs> fan of course Oh my gosh, Alhamdulillah. I'm so glad
1: we got to talk. I I definitely feel rejuvenated after just saying everything I needed to say out loud. It kind of makes me motivated to go right back at it and start writing stories and recording tonight.
0: (laughs) Yay, and I can't wait to hear them all. All right, thank you.